Hare Krishna, Vanchakal Patrubhyas Chakrata Sindhu Bhyabhachapatitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha. Okay, so welcome back to Srimad Bhagavatam, Kyanto 11, Chapter 31, and we're coming to the end of the Kyanto. We've gotten up to text number 21. It has been explaining uh, the pastimes of the Yadavas fighting with each other and killing each other off and Krishna wives climbing on the funeral pyres and their dead, hus- their dead husbands and so on. All of which we're not really supposed to believe. <laughs> <laughs> In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, I think it's Madhya chapter t- uh, 23 when Lord Chaitanya is talking to Sanatana Goswami, he mentions certain things which are not to be taken uh, as really happening or as a kind of... Uh, illusory show for other people and, and so on and some of this is like this uh, uh, so on the one hand it does well as, as they've said in the BBT report it's a you know nice drama like makes a good story ending and all this other stuff but you, uh, you can't take it uh, seriously. So in 20, this, it says, you know, that the wives of Lord Balaram entered the fire, embraced his body. Uh, Vasudev's wives bra- invented his fire, embraced his body. They're funeral pyres, you know, committing what they call sati. And uh, so on. Uh and so now we're up to text 21. Uh, 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 yeah, so let me chant that text. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya this text goes, Arjuna preyasa sakyahu krishnasya virahaturaha atmanam santvayam asa krishna gita sadhuktibihi. Arjuna felt great distress over separation from Lord Krishna, his dear most friend, but he consoled himself by remembering the transcendental words that the Lord had sung to him. Uh, uh, so this is uh, 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 Arjuna, uh, and then the verb uh, down here at the end of the, f- the first line, atura, or second line if you do it that way, atura. I suffered Atura. 
he, he suffered because of uh, viraha, separation. Viraha bhava, sometimes a love and separation. Uh, 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 from whom? His dear friend, Sakyahu, from Krishna, his dear friend. Uh, uh, and he consoled himself, Atmanam Santavyamasa. He he consoled consoled himself. Uh, uh, how Krishna Gitai Sadukti by remembering the uh, uh, Sadukti the uh, and the word for word the transcendental words, Manuswami this uh, this word Sat Sat uh, the word ukta means uh, uh, a word or words can be words uh, ukta comes is a participle from bach which means speech so ukta uh, is a word or a sentence some 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 amount of speech so these sat by the sat ukta, the transcendental words or the pure words uh, uh, that uh, Krishna had uh, spoken, uh, where Krishna Gita, the Krishna Gita, or Bhagavad Gita. So he remembered those those uh, words, and therefore he uh, uh, consoled himself. Now, uh, to this, there is a purport here, uh, kind of a long one from the the BBT. Uh, They say, according to Srila Sridhar Swami, Arjuna remembered such verses from the Gita as Naham Prakasha Sarvasya Yogamaya Samavritaha Mudhoyam Nabijanati Lokomam Ajam Avyayam This is Bhagavad Gita 7.25 I am never uh, manifest Uh, Prakash here means manifest Naham Prakash I'm not manifest uh, uh, to the foolish and unintelligent, the uh, mudho yam. The Sanskrit says, "I'm not manifest to everybody, <laughs> to everyone, because yoga maya uh, samavritaha. Uh, uh, I'm covered by my uh, yoga maya, my eternal creative potency." Mudhoyam. Uh, this is the foolish and unintelligent. Uh, they don't know me. Lokomam ajam avyayam, and those in the world. Lo- the word loka means the world, but it also means people. 
I went to India, people talk about Babalok meaning children, baby people. <laughs> Babalok. Baloka Saloka mean the whole universe, it could mean one little kid. <laughs> Babalok. So they, they, they don't know me because of my uh, uh, Ajam unborn and Avyayam, which they like to translate uh, unborn, infallible. Or, uh, or unending. Uh, uh, similarly, it goes on. Uh, Jiva Goswami has mentioned the Gita verse, Mam evaishyasi satyam te pratijani priyosime. Uh, you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my uh, very dear friend. Uh, uh, so this, uh, you know, 1865 has this, this uh, two lines or this line that occurs twice in the Bhagavad Gita, bhakto Madhyayi Mam Namaskaru. Uh, think of me always, become my devotee, uh, um, uh, worship me, uh, yet Madhyayi, uh, and offer your obeisances to me. And then, uh, doing that, uh, uh, you will certainly come to me. I promise you this because you are my dear friend. Uh, this is what. Uh, what it uh, says here, but you know the other the other one is uh, uh, nine thirty four, same way. So it's repeated. That's always interesting to know that. Uh, Now, the BBT purport goes on. Uh, and then it says that uh, Jiva Goswami has quoted that Mame Vaisisi Satcham Te Pratijani Pijosami Yokabnila Fail. And then he is quoted from the Swarga Parva of the Mahabharata as followed. Follows, and then there's uh, four verses. The Darsha Tatra Govindam Brahmane Vapusanvitam Tenaiva Drista Purvena Sadrishyeno Pasuchitam Dipyamanam Savapusha Divyar Astair Upaskritam Chakra Prabritibir Gorair Divyaya Purusha Vigrahai Upasyamanam Virena Palgunena Suvarchasa Yita Swarupam Kontea Tataiva Madhusudanam Tavubhau Purusha Vyagrao Samudvikshas Yudhishtiram Yatarham pratipedate pujaya deva pujitao. Uh, 
This is translated here. There, Yudhisthira saw Lord Govinda as the absolute truth in his original personal form. He appeared just as Yudhisthira had seen him before, with all the same characteristics. Uh, He was glowing brilliantly with the effulgence coming from his own body, and he was surrounded by his transcendental weapons, the disc and so on, which appeared in their fearsome, personified forms. All his weapons are devotees. O descendant of Kuti, Lord Madhusudana was being worshipped by the effulgent hero Arjuna, who appeared also in his original form when the two lions among men who are worshipable by the demigods noticed the presence of Yudhisthira, they approached him with proper respect and offered him worship. Now, this is quoted from the Mahabharata. Uh, and uh, Hmm, where did I make the... I thought I made notes on this somewhere. I don't know where I put them now. So, this this part of the Mahabharata uh, is a... is the 18th book uh, the, the final book of the Mahabharata, which they call Svarga Parva, uh, the, the chapter about Svarga. But um, when I looked this up, the title given was uh, Svargo Rohana Parva, the ascension into heaven. Uh, it describes Yudhisthira's ascension into heaven. Uh, uh, so that that's where it, it, it comes from. So this is describing uh, this. This quotation is describing. Which is there means in the spiritual world. Yudhisthira goes up there, and then he sees uh, Govinda, uh, just as Yudhisthira had seen him before. I mean, you have to go through this whole thing you know, of people dying and funeral pyres and all this stuff and arrows and beating each other to death with clubs. And, <laughs> uh, and so then it's described when Yudhisthira uh, saw Krishna, he, like, he was effulgent and his... Club Conchal Disc Lotus were all there in their personified forms. Fearsome, I guess the Lotus is not fearsome, but other weapons too, you know. He's an army in himself when they're loaded uh, for battle. Uh, and then he's being worshipped by Arjuna. And, and so they, these two, I don't know why they call them lions among men when they're Purusha Viagra. They're two tigers among men. <laughs> but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so they they uh, they offered him uh, worship uh, here and, and paid him proper respect. Could you give me uh, a book over there? Excuse me, I'm talking to. 
the the last uh, uh, book of Majalila and the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Yeah, I think what I'm looking for here, because uh, this is mentioned. Uh, I think uh, in. Uh, I meant to bring it. I for, I, for, I forgot to do it. Well, this is the discussion of, of Lord Krishna, uh, of Lord Chaitanya with Sanatana Goswami. And he, oh yeah, here, so this is Majja 23, uh, text 117 and 118. And uh, so uh, this this is what Lord Chaitanya ha- has t- t- told Sanatana Goswami. Remember, Sanatana Goswami met with him in uh, Prayag after he was a. Prabhupada translates when he sees him, he says, "You look like a, a hippie." <laughs> the word is uh, Daravesh, a dervish, <laughs> unshaven. You know. <laughs> anyway. And then they cleaned him up and then instructed him. Uh, uh, and it's really, I mean... And then, then of course, later Krishna's Kaviraj associated with Sanatana Goswami who related to him. And so that's why we have this narration here. This is what we talked about. So here he says, um, these kind of stories that we've been reading... Uh, uh, illusory stories, uh, so I'm just going to read the, the translation. Illusory stories opposed to the conclusions of Krishna consciousness concern the destruction of the Yadu dynasty, Krishna's disappearance, the story that Krishna and Balaram, excuse me, Krishna and Balaram arise from a black hair and a white hair of Shirodakshayi Vishnu, and the story about the kidnapping of the queens. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained to Sanatana Goswami the proper conclusions of these stories. So, uh, I thought maybe we should, since here we're reading things in scriptures that we're told that are not exactly true, <laughs> and, but this is where the, this comes from. For us, Lord Chaitanya says you have to take them in a certain way. Uh, uh, there's a problem when, when when everything is infallible in scriptures and it says one thing here and it says the other thing somewhere else. Somebody has to adjudicate that and tell you what's the ultimate conclusion. Uh, one of the reasons for just scripture by itself is Shrutya Vabina, the, the, the scriptures are divided. Tariko Pratishta, you know, logic has no uh, foundation. You can't trust logic because Apratishta. Yeah, it has no foundation because, because uh, at least for deductive logic, the, the what you deduct uh, a valid deduction of argument tells you that if the premises are true, then it's sure and certain that the conclusion is true. 
That's it. Uh, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. That's a valid symbolic logic. You can mathematize it, you know. Suppose you're Socrates, and you don't like that conclusion that you're mortal. What the argument tells you is what you have to do to deny the conclusion is just deny one of the principles. Well, how about all men are mortal? Have you seen all men? <laughs> oh, or how do you know I'm a man? Maybe I'm a guy, you know, anyway. So, uh, uh, Tariko, logic has no foundation, apratishta, no, because of that. Shrutiya uh, Vabina, and the scriptures are divided. They have different divisions. There's karma kanda, jnana kanda, upasana kanda. You know, they're meant for different groups of people. And then it says, Nasavrishayatamatamnabinam, and no one can be considered a sage or a rishi if he doesn't have his own, if he doesn't disagree with the others. If you become an academician, the only way you're going to make your, 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 your marks is if you disagree with somebody. So you, you have to disagree. <laughs> so what are you supposed to do? Then therefore, the truth is known you have to follow in the footsteps of the Mahajanas. This, what that statement is there. So, uh, so here, these are stories in scriptures. Uh, and we will follow uh, Lord Chaitanya <laughs> and Sanatana Goswami in this. A Prabhupada has a purport here, which I will read. He says, due to envy, uh, many asuras describe... Well, he talks about something else, a little bit different, but describes Krishna to be like a black crow or the incarnation of a hare. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Sanatana Goswami how to counteract all these asuric explanations of Krishna. The word kaka means crow. Isn't that a nice word for crow? Kaka, just like it's poetic. Kaka. Uh, so the word kaka means crow and kesha means hare. The asuras described Krishna as the incarnation of a crow. See, uh, Ka Isha, the Lord who is a crow. <laughs> That's how they do that. Uh, and I've never heard it before until I read this purport. You know. uh, so those asuras, uh, an incarnation of a shudra, uh, a, a blackish tribe, and an incarnation of a hare, not knowing that the word Kesha means Ka Isha, so here is a short A instead of a long A. Ka Isha. Ka, ka Isha. Uh, ka Isha. And that Ka means Lord Brahma and Isha means Lord. So the word Kesha means that Krishna is the Lord of Lord Brahma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, that's some examples that, that, that you, what you can do. Some some of the Lord Lord Krishna's pastimes are mentioned in the Mahabharata as Maushala Lila. Maushala means club, the club fight. When they and when they're canes or that's that's called Maushala Lila. 
These include stories of the destruction of the Yadu dynasty, Krishna's disappearance, his being pierced by the hunter's arrow, the story of Krishna's being an incarnation of a piece of hair, Keshava Avatara, as well as Mahi, uh, Mahishi Harana, the kidnapping of Krishna's queens. Uh, actually, these are not factual, but are related for the bewilderment of the Asuras who want to prove that Krishna is an ordinary human being. He does say that uh, uh, when they want to forget me, I forget, give them all powers to forget me, get them. When they want to remember me, it's by my mercy uh, they remember, and they want to forget, I cause them to forget. I am situated in everyone's heart. Uh, from me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness, Krishna says, as the intelligence. So Prabhupada said that if you want to become an atheist, Krishna will make you the best atheist. If you really want to forget him, he'll give you that power. This is in the Bhagavad Gita, that statement. And when uh, 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 our, our local American sage, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, wrote a poem about based on the Bhagavad Gita, he put it like this, When they me fly, when they fly from me, when they me fly for flee, when they me fly, I am the wings. So even he picked it up. <laughs> that uh, uh, was there. So anyway, uh, so uh, where are we? They are false in the sense that these pastimes are not eternal nor are they transcendental nor spiritual. There are many people who are by nature averse to the supremacy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vishnu. Such people are called Asuras. They have mistaken ideas about Krishna. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, the Asuras are given a chance to forget Krishna more and more birth after birth. He says that also about them. I cast them into deeper and deeper uh, ignorance. Uh, thus they make their appearance in a family of asuras and continue this process being kept in bewilderment about Krishna. Because this life is a continuation from the previous one and uh, I mean you may notice that even children are born with personalities. <laughs> Where do they come from? <laughs> When you change bodies, you bring your mind with you and your mentality from your last life. And so you just keep on going. And if you're going up, then you can go further. Uh, if you're going toward, toward Krishna, uh, that will be encouraged. But if you want to forget and you want to deny, and you so that's how that happens too. Prabhupada continues... Asuras in the dress of sannyasis even explain the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam in different ways according to their own imaginations. If you want to discredit religion, <laughs> where to send people? <laughs> uh, 
Thus they continue to remain asuras birth after birth. Uh, as far as the Kesha avatar, the incarnation of a hare, is concerned, uh, it's mentioned in the Bhagavatam 2.7.26, and then he quotes a statement from the Vishnu Purana, so we can move ahead. I won't. Then there's, then in the Mahabharata, he gives a couple of verses uh, in Sanskrit, which he doesn't really translate. So I'll just skip over that. Uh, Thus, in Srimad Bhagavatam, the Vishnu Purana, the Mahabharata, there are references to Krishna and Balaram being incarnations of a black hair and a white hair, respectively. It is stated that Lord Vishnu snatched two hairs, one white and one black. From his head, these two hairs entered the wombs of Rohini and Devaki, members of the Yadu dynasty. Balaram was born from Rohini, and Krishna was born from Devaki. Thus Balaram appeared from the first hair, and Krishna appeared from the second hair. Prabhupada here is translating or paraphrasing the, this uh, Sanskrit uh, it was also foretold that all the asuras, who are enemies of the demigods, would be cut down by Lord Vishnu by his white and black plenary expansions, and that the Supreme Personality of Godhead would appear and perform wonderful activities. And then he gives some places that you can check this out more for yourself, if you're interested. In this connection, one should see the Lagu Bhagavatamrita, uh, the chapter called Krishnamrita, verses 156 to 164. Uh, uh, Srila Rupa Goswami has refuted this argument about the hair incarnation, and his refutation is supported by Sri Balade Vijabhushana's commentaries. The matter is further discussed in Krishna Sandarbha. Anucheda 29, and in the commentary known as Sarva Samvadini by Sri Jiva Goswami. So they've been dealt with uh, uh, quite a bit here about these kind of uh, uh, things that may confuse you. Uh, and uh, so this, this is where, anyway, this is Prabhupada talks about this because here. Uh, uh, Lord Chaitanya has mentioned these these things which are uh, uh, um, these leelas which are not to be really uh, believed. And our purpose has said the same thing uh, in another way. So that's come by it honestly. Uh, this is where it uh, it takes place. So we're up to now, what, 22? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go on. Um, 22 goes like this. Mandhunam nashtagotranam arjuna samparayikam Tanam karayam asa yatavad. 
अनुपूर्वशः Arjuna then saw to it that the funeral rites were properly carried out for the dead who had no remaining male family members remember they killed each other off <laughs> so there somebody has to take, take care of this he executed the required ceremonies uh, for each of the yadus one after another uh, uh so this is uh, nasta gotra who had no remaining fed the whose gotra uh, who's i guess a, a sort of a clan i guess a, a lineage had been destroyed com- completely uh uh so this uh, those whose those whose relatives were those from whose had no one else left there the uh and uh so arjuna carried out these proper uh rites yatavat as prescribed in the vedas anupurvashaha here they say in the uh uh required ceremonies for each of the yadus one after another but in the word for word notice it's in order of the seniority of the deceased uh, so this this word in the dictionary anupurvashaha means in due order or one after another either one uh uh, uh so he's doing everything correctly banu swami translates this arjuna then saw to it that the funeral rites were properly carried out for the dead who had no remaining male family members according to the rules one after the other mm-hmm. so that's that's uh, different ways of taking yatavat anupurvashas different things uh, so but there's no no other purports there's just this slight difference in the translation here then in text 23 uh द्वारकम हरिनाथ्यक्तम समुद्रप्लवयत् शनात् वरजयित्वा महाराज श्रीमद् भगवद् आलयम as soon as dwarka was abandoned by the supreme personality of godhead the ocean flooded it on all sides o king sparing only his palace alayam is a residence of shrimad bhagavat the residence of the supreme lord shrimad bhagavat when it's neutral shrimad bhagavatam it's the book otherwise shrimad bhagavat is the lord ah uh, shrimad bhagavat ah uh, Uh, so once it was uh, chakshvat given up by lord hari uh the ocean flooded it over and uh, that's what's happened there there's a purport here uh we have in the uh, um 
BBT, Srila Jiva Goswami explains that whereas the external manifestation of the Lord's abode was covered by the ocean, the Lord's eternal Dwarka exists beyond the material universe and certainly beyond the material ocean. Dwarka had been constructed by Vishwakarma, the architect of the demigods, and the Sudama, Sudharma, excuse me, Sudharma, assembly hall had been brought from heaven. You can read this in the 10th canto or the Krishna book. It's cool, very cool story. In that city, there were many beautiful and splendorous residences of the aristocratic Yadu dynasty. And the most beautiful residence of all was that of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sri Jiva Goswami mentions that even in the modern age, that's when Sri Jiva Goswami was speaking, <laughs> people who live near the site of the original Dwarka sometimes catch a glimpse of it in the ocean. Ultimately, the Lord's associates and abodes are associates and abode are eternal, and one who understands this is qualified to become fully Krishna conscious. In other words, it was manifest here, in the Druidic manifestation, and it appeared like this is what happened. It was uh, flooded. Uh, it's right on the end of uh, of this kind of a little. What's the state? Is not Gujarat? No, it's Dwarka. You can visit there now and see it. But it's, it's they do say uh, the Archaeological Survey of India claims to have detected. It's in Gujarat. It's, yeah, it is in Gujarat. Yeah, Dwarka is in Gujarat, uh, and uh, and you know it's a place of pilgrimage. But the original place is offshore what's now offshore, that the oceans rose. And uh, apparently the archaeological survey has detected interesting stuff down there, but uh, uh, I was told by Sataputta, but I don't know if it's been investigated uh, uh, anymore by them. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has a little purport to this verse too. He says, the Lord's palace was spared. As the next verse state, states, the Lord is eternally present there. This statement is the view of the Lord who is present in the palace in unmanifested pastimes, not the view of the common people. This is how some explain that the palace remained Others explain that the ocean flooded Dwarka, but not the palaces of the Yadavas to show how everything except the Lord is temporary. <laughs> that one leaves me a little puzzled, but there it is. Uh, uh, what actually happened uh, is something to see. 
So then, yeah, we'll, we'll go read the next verse, which uh, he mentions, Vishwanta Chavari Thakur mentions, next text number 24. Nityam sanihitas tatra bhagavan madhusudanaha smritya shesha shubhaharam sarva mangala mangalam Lord Madhusudana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is eternally present in Dwarkam, in Dwarka. Say it right here, Dwaraka, Dwaraka, otherwise you speak Hindi, Dwarka. (laughs) (laughs) It is the most auspicious of all auspicious places, and merely remembering it destroys all contamination. So, nityam uh, uh, sanihita tatra, there. See, tatra is there. Eternally uh, present. The word uh, uh, sanihita uh, means, among other things, present or proximate or near or contiguous or close at hand. This is the meaning of this word, uh, samnihita. Samnihita, close, present. Uh, uh, so Kabi is right there or just, you know. Uh, and then it is. It's it's remembered smritya by remembering it, ashesha ashuba. Uh, it's the word uh, shesha means a limit. Ashesha means unlimited. Ashuba, so of everything, shuba is auspicious. Uh, of everything inauspicious. <laughs> also, one way ashesha is one way to say all or everything. You know. Ashesha Ashuba Haram it takes away everything inauspicious. Smritya by remembering Dwarka, just by thinking of the place. Sarva Mangala Mangalam and the most auspicious of all auspicious things uh, or places here. And Banu Swami uh, translates this. Uh, Lord Madhusudana, the Supreme Lord, is eternally present in Dwarka by remembering that most auspicious of all auspicious places, one destroys all contamination. And there are no purports there. Let's see if we can do the... Maybe we'll stop there. Uh... Because uh, the next verse has no purports, but it takes us back to uh, the description of some of this same stuff in the very first canto. <laughs> and it's very interesting when you go back and look at that. I want to do some of that. Because really the Bhagavatam closes in on itself, because it begins with the Bhagavatam. And then working backwards, you you know you realize you're right at the, the, the. This is a kind of belatedness, you know. This was just happened, and now this is Krishna did this thing, and now here's how it's going to be continued. The story is going to be continued through this 
telling of the Bhagavatam and Vyasadeva, because people are getting stupid, is going to write it down uh, for, for people who can't remember anymore, and so on. This is, you know, this is... So uh, that's where the Bhagavatam begins, telling a little about its own occurrence and how then it, it, it started to be remembering, you know, started right after the Kali Yuga began while Krishna was still on the planet. Its effects were upheld a little bit, but it, it begins, you know, it's astrological and it's, this, you know, the clock of the, of the heavens tells us when it started. So it was kind of held in abeyance a little bit, and uh, and uh, then uh, because Krishna appeared at this the end of the the last yuga, uh, and then uh, and that's you know he only comes once in a day of Brahma. Brahma's day consists of a thousand yuga cycle, a thousand yuga, the time of a thousand yugas. There's only 994 of them, really, uh, because uh, the, six, the duration of six yuga cycles is taken up by sandhyas, or transitions, periods of transitions, uh, which last the length of one such yuga between each yuga cycle. There's a sandhya. So really there's 994 yuga cycles, if you want to be pedantic about it, <laughs> and, which I do. <laughs> I, don't know, I find that stuff interesting. Oh, the sanjas. There's a, there's a, a sanja means like a dawn or a dusk, a tra- period of transition. There's a little of suspension of everything, you know, between the between the cycles, and that's somehow more realistic. Huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a natural event after all. Universe is springing up and dying down, and so on, like that. Uh, so, uh, 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 we will start in with text uh, 25, and we'll uh, go back a little bit in Bhagavatam to read some of the early accounts, which are nice because uh, Prabhupada commented on those, of course. Uh, uh, there's something very special about those first Prabhupada purports before he came to America. First, because he took pains to really do it. Uh, and one of the things when Prabhupada was writing the Bhagavatam, he was already elderly and he was thinking, I don't know how long I'll live. And so he wanted to put as much as possible, as compelling as possible preaching to an audience he hadn't even met yet uh, because he wrote that first canto in in India and then got the volumes printed to bring with him when he went to the West. Uh, so uh, it's not, you know, uh, they have this very special quality to, to them uh, that's, uh, that's uh, nice to, nice to uh, appreciate. Okay, any questions or comments? Okay, if you are on the phone, you can press star six to unmute yourself and ask a question. If you are 
on my poor TV, you can type in a question into the chat box to the right of the screen, or you can go to Revenue Super's website, rsdasa.com, and there's a chat box in the lower right-hand corner of the website. Lastly, if you're on, well, not quite lastly, but <laughs> penultimately, if you're on Facebook, you can type in your question into the chat box there, underneath the video, and if you're in the live studio audience, you can just ask a question. So, um, so the, the statements of Mahaprabhu concerning, um, so I, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but did, did, is, is Mahaprabhu saying that, that like these events are, are, aren't truthful at all, or is it just that we're, it's, a, it's a matter of interpreting it properly? I'm just trying to get a sense, because once, once you, because if it's if it's that we're saying you know we we can accuse we accuse like Mayavadis of selectively like yeah, piecing well. out you know parts of, mm -hmm. of scripture right and saying you know this is Sagluna Brahma this is Nirguna and, yeah. you know and then start doing that kind mm -hmm. of thing and uh, I'm just wondering if this is like that mm -hmm. like it's almost like a devil's advocate kind of thing is Mahaprabhu doing a similar thing. We're saying, you know, this doesn't fit the Siddhanta, so we need to, you know. Um, my, the way I understand th this kind of thing is not, not a question of, of, uh, of just winning an argument or having a, a debate. Uh, uh, in every religion, uh, you will find people disagreeing about what scriptures say. Uh, not just religions, almost anything <laughs> that has anything written down, people are going to disagree about it uh, because they're, they're, there's different. Uh, and I guess that's just, uh, to some extent, the, 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 the human condition. Uh, the, for ourselves, we know that uh, what was it in warfare? They said the truth is protected by the bodyguard of lies. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that. Uh, you don't you don't want people who who are destructive to to have access to to certain things, so you mislead them uh, a, a little bit. Um, uh, but but. At least for me, I, I think what Mahaprabhu is, he's just, to, to me, uh, uh, you have to understand scripture uh, from people who are better than us. And, and, and to me, the one who really understands it and gives the application is, is Lord Chaitanya. Now, how do I know he's who he is? Because, well, <laughs> and ultimately, I think, at least for myself, is, is we are given something to do to apply. I mean, when, when I, you know, first got into Krishna consciousness, they said, you know, here's the medicine. The medicine is treatment by spiritual sound. 
you should take the medicine according to the directions on the bottle. You're already thinking an authority, right? You, you're sick, you go to a doctor, he says, do this, you start to argue with him. <laughs> well, you didn't go to medicine anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so, okay, let me try it and see what happens. Does the medicine work? So in that spirit, I, I mean, I personally was trained in a very rigorous undergraduate course in Western analytical philosophy where nobody believed anything. <laughs> you know? Uh, where, where any idea of God or any of that stuff was just outlawed. Uh, and we just did very strict linguistic analysis and, and stuff like that. So I, I like had skepticism, you know, totally. <laughs> and I went to my professors after a while. I, I felt, you know, this is like, what? You know, this is there's something missing, you know. I, okay, because my very first philosophy class What's philosophy? Uh, and uh, graduate students, because they give graduate students the freshmen uh, to teach. So this graduate student from England says, what is philosophy? And we raise our hands and give our stupid answers, you know. And then he can shoot us down one after <laughs> another. Right? And, and so people said different things. And I had my hand up. And I put mine down. So he goes through each one, and he shoots them down. That's not what philosophy is. And it comes to mind. Mine was, and he written it on the board, philosophy means asking questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And the guy looks at this, and he says, oh, yes. We have one person in this department who asks questions like that. And I say, my name is Ken Young. I am coming from College Hall, and I am going to Bennett Hall. And then he shrieks. The introduction to the philosophy of demolition. So I was trained that way, you know. I really, you know. And finally, actually, my senior year, I was getting really frustrated. And I went to a, who the person I thought was the best. First, I went to the department chairman, and I said, what, what, why are you in philosophy? What do you think? You, should, you know, you get from it. He says, I'm in philosophy, he said, to win arguments. And then I went to the guy I thought was the best and most an honest person. And I said, What's, what do you think? the best you can achieve in philosophy. And he says, well, the best you can achieve in philosophy is being clear about what you're confused about. I said, and that's the best? He said, yes. This is a guy who also had a PhD in physics, by the way, and then went to study philosophy of science. You know, so he had two of them. Uh, <laughs> To be clear, now I was really disappointed with that answer. Although as I got older, I appreciated it more in some ways. But 
<laughs> but but that's the best that can be done. So any, anyway, this 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 the, uh, I'm very aware of skepticism, you know. And and so for myself, I decided to practice to to start chanting Hare Krishna and to see what was happening, but not to not not, not to fall for anything, you know, not to not to. Uh, and, and the devotees were in many ways as problematical as my philosophy professors <laughs> in their own way. <laughs> so I just started chanting to see what would happen. You know, and it was kind of uh, interesting uh, what started to happen because it was potent. It was definitely potent. And what what what. And I guess when I did chant, there was some amount of, of feeling for it because I, 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 I was upset with the material world. I, I, I saw what kind of a place it was. I, I, I had a, just a, had a younger brother I was very close to, got killed in a, in a, in a, in a road accident. And, you know, so I, you know, I, I had this idea of what the material world was like. Uh, that it's a place of death, and, and you know the, the idea of like uh, uh, the purpose of a college degree in education is to make a lot of money didn't didn't really you know convince me that was going to make me happy. Uh, so so that was there. I was looking for an alternative, uh, so, and so I just chanted to see what was happening, what it would happen, and. Uh, I, I began to feel very, very different. Uh, uh, well, a lot of people by then had taken LSD and all that other stuff, uh, and this was not like those experiences, but but it was subtler, but still powerful. And uh, so then, then you know, I just began to notice this this uh, transformation, and. Then one of the things I d that really got to me is when Prabhupada's Ishra Upanishad came out. Now, I, by then I had gone into religious studies in, in, in religion, graduate, graduate school in religious studies. It was a, a new thing just to see what the religions had to offer finally. And, uh, and what the religion department, by the way, was full of were priests, ministers, rabbis, nuns, leaving their different institutions and dropping out into academic study because they all lost faith in it. <laughs> that was almost completely like the whole thing, you know, uh, that, that was going on. So I was coming in and from a different direction. <laughs> I was going to want to see what it was, it was like. So just to, just to check out religion. And uh, one of the courses I had in Hinduism, which, by the way, was taught by uh, no less a personage than Swami Nikolananda of the Vedanta Center in New York, the Uptown Swami. If you've read Prabhupada Lilamrita, they described him as the Uptown Swami, up the Upper East Side, uh, where rich kind of people went to. Uh, that was Swami Nikolananda. Uh, he was a Ramakrishna mission monk. He wore, uh, he dressed like a 1930s British barrister, a three-piece, uh, 
a suit, a pinstripe suit. He even had a pocket watch with a little chain, uh, you know. And he taught, uh, as standard Hinduism, well, he had a PhD. I mean, he translated all the uh, Upanishads and everything, so he was qualified academic. But really what he was teaching was the Ram Krishna mission Mayavad philosophy, a version of Mayavad philosophy, that, as, as standard Hinduism. And that's what everybody thought it was ever since, you know, Vivekananda had come to America in the 90s and 1890s and, and so on. So that, 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 that's, what, that's what we all thought it was. Uh, and so I had read that translation of the Isha Upanishad, and I read another translation of the Isha Upanishad. Then I got Prabhupada's, and it was stunning. Uh, he just read it theistically, uh, as if, you know, Brahman is a person. And it suddenly made sense. Uh, the Isha Upanishad comes, these verses are very obscure, you know, but Prabhupada just, and his purports illuminated them, and that was like a really, really quite something for me. I was, I was just amazed at how good it was. So some, some of the critical scholarship kind of stuff that I had learned, that was satisfied. Uh, and so I just kept going. So, so at any rate, uh, Krishna consciousness is not an academic study. It, it's meant to change you. It, it, it's, it's meant to transform our consciousness, to clarify our consciousness. Uh, the, the regulative principles are not just moral principles. There's principles that make knowledge possible. Knowledge depends upon sattva, goodness. The Bhagavad Gita is saying this. Uh, why people who read the Bhagavad Gita and say they take it seriously don't do what is necessary to develop sattva guna, I have no idea. Because you can't even understand it unless... <laughs> you know, there's certain conditions for knowledge that are existential conditions. And... and, and uh, Nobody asks about about uh, wh- whether whether uh, physicists or uh, computer programmers are what their lives are like. You just have to have a master of a certain technical skill, which requires some brains. Uh, uh, but anyway, so this is a different process of knowledge, uh, and at least from my own experience. Uh, uh, I haven't found uh, anything in this process that 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 uh, that uh, doesn't make me want to keep on going and find out more. It's it's increasing. Those things that Prabhupada said would happen, you know, ado shraddha. There's a there's a progression. That progression takes place when it slows down or stops or gets baffled, I know I'm doing something wrong, I check it out, I try to correct it, I goof off for a while, I correct <laughs> it again, then it's bad, you know, I, and so it, you know, I, just just to apply it. And then the, the life starts to have a pattern. The things that you need to make advancement get supplied, and the things that uh, uh, block it start to go away. It's a, it's a pattern. And then you realize that you're not doing this by yourself. (laughs) 
that actually somebody's helping. And that presence, and, and, and so, you know, when consciousness becomes purified, first of all, the idea that I'm a spirit soul, and to experience yourself as a spiritual, not as the body, not as the mind, that becomes there, and then you discover that in with you is somebody else, <laughs> that, that there, there's some overlap between the soul and the super soul, so that when you discover that this is there, you know what to call that thing that's there, it's Paramatma, the Atma and Paramatma, anyway, all these things start to become disclosed. Oh, you say it's revelation, but come on. If you open your eyes and you see the sun, that's revelation of one kind. <laughs> I mean, it's just shown. This is, this is revelation, and it is revelation you have. It's, it's not something that's like not accessible to anybody else. Uh, you want to see the sun? If somebody refuses to open their eyes, then what can you do? But and the eye-opening process, we know what it is. Anyway, I have confidence. That's a long way to explain what I've been through. But I have confidence in, in this process, and I can trace it back to you know this is Lord Caitanya, who got together like very competent people, Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami. They are held in awe even by scholars who don't have the same requirements we do. Uh, uh, they're still very, very, very good. Uh, they, they are really, really competent. And they, they took what Lord Chaitanya gave him at his request, they organized it and made it so it would be uh, accessible to everybody. And then, uh, anyway, that's what's happened. How did he define philosophy, by the way? Hmm? How did that philosophy professor, what was his definition? Of? Of philosophy. You were saying that he was crossing them all off? Oh, yeah. What did he give for a definition? I can't remember uh, now what it was, actually. I'm... Uh, I'm uh, hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what what, what would it come up with. Uh, well, maybe maybe it'll come. Guess. Maybe it'll yeah, come. Exactly. I haven't thought about it that much uh, because yeah. of. Uh, so, maybe but. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I just can't remember. Maybe it'll. Maybe uh, I'll remember. I haven't thought of it for years. Mm. My memory has a slow download now. <laughs> <laughs> Vijay Krishna Prabhu, here's two questions from him that are related. He asks, when we bathe in the ocean, does the bathing does this bathing have the same effect as the bathing in the holy rivers in India, like the Ganges or Yamuna? I ask this because it is known that rivers flow into the ocean, even the holy ones, I think. And then he follows up, then he also asks, did you ever visit Dwarka? Uh, no, I didn't. Do, uh, visit. I have not visited Dwarka, and it's not been on my itineraries any time I was in India. Uh, and uh, yeah, there is Ganga water uh, in the uh, in the ocean. Uh, not not much, <laughs> but it's also uh, bathing ocean is a good thing to bathe, and it's good for you. 
Lord Chaitanya did it when it wasn't the Ganga wasn't available. But the Ganga is kind of uh, um, special when it's concentrated like that. Uh, and uh, yeah. And Kendra has a comment. He says, "When it's said when it's said that the ocean inundated all of Dwarka except Krishna's palace." An unintelligent reader such as I might imagine that Krishna's palace should still be floating out there somewhere. Yeah, I don't think that's what they're exactly saying. Uh, and uh, I'm not quite sure if there it was it was visible for a while uh, while the rest of it disappeared. But but the 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 real point is is that. Uh, Dwarka is, is is you know Krishna in a majestic aspect as the Lord, uh, and this this is his eternal pastime that's manifest down here, the same way that Brindavan uh, is uh, is is not just uh, is not just a, a, a village. Uh, uh, pasture land Vrindavan's in the spiritual sky and somehow it's manifest here and then but because it's been here that that place still remains somehow in contact so that's what makes place, place places Tirtha you know Tirtha's a ford and one aspect of that is you can is a place that makes it easier to cross over between the spiritual material and spiritual world, and that's what these tirthas are, these places of pilgrimage. And there are places that are that are like that, and you can feel the difference. Uh, Vrindavan is kind of really not subtle uh, in in that regard, and if you. Spend some time at uh, you know around Govardhan Hill or places like that. There's there's some very yeah it's uh, mystical. <laughs> you can't it doesn't really seem like all the laws are entirely natural <laughs> laws uh, there. Bhakta Carl asks, is this Hare Krishna? One translation slash purport was quoted where. Prabhupada used the word hippie. Prabhupada also used gypsy or cinema music in his translations and purports. Of course, it is clear that he uses those words with a certain scope of meaning in his head. How do we find out about what is meant? What is the approach to interpret words and concepts of our acharyas? Yeah, well... uh Sometimes some of the, some of the some of the words he used would be uh, out of fashion now. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to say he gypped me, and now you, you oh, that's really you know. <laughs> oh, when I, when I grew up, actually, you know, I, I mean, I was born in 1944. Uh, every time somebody would would betray you or cheat you, say he japped me out. <laughs> Because the memories of Pearl Harbor, <laughs> just that, just as you know, you just reflectively did it, and he didn't even know that it was like a derogatory term for uh, Japanese. And the same with "jip," you know, it means gypsies, uh, and uh, and 
and uh, the, the, uh, uh, gypsies have been both looked down upon and also quite quite romanticized too by the way um, and uh, and uh, uh, so Prabhupada just used the available English words which to him meant what they seemed to mean uh, at the time uh, and so uh, 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 and for a lot of hippie people, hippie was a very bad word, and for a lot of people, it was a good word. <laughs> Although, by the way, it was a journalist word. Uh, hippies did not call themselves hippies; they called themselves freaks, <laughs> which is a bad word made into a good word. <laughs> Okay, Ramananda Prabhu has a this is a little bit long. So okay. This is um, in the first canto, chapter three. The first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter three, lists incarnations. Only prayers of Queen Kunti, departure of Krishna to Dwarka, and later in the third canto, remembrance of the Lord, mention Krishna in relationship with his devotees. Krishna's in relationship to his devotees isn't really introduced again until the tenth canto. For example, third canto narrates the Purusha avatars, Varaha, Kapila, fourth canto, Pritu, fifth, Rishabhadev, seventh, Nishingadev, eighth, Vamanadev, ninth, Ramachandra. It's described, Srimad Bhagavatam progresses from first and second canto, the lotus feet of the Lord, and gradually up to the smiling face of the Lord in the tenth canto. So can one speculate that Purusha avatars, Raha, Kapila, Pritu, and Rishabhadev reveal Shantarasa, Nishingadev in relationship to Prahlad as Dasya, Vamanadev in relation to, Indra, to Indra Sakya, and Ramachandra including Shanta, Dasya, Sakya, and the introduction to Madhurya with citizens, mothers, fathers, brothers, and Sita Devi. But only in the tenth canto are the full range of relationship fully relished. Is this correct thinking in regards to the gradual progression of introducing more and more intimacy following the same analogy of the starting of the lotus feet and then gradually raising to the smiling face of the Lord? Maybe. <laughs> I'd have to think about that. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I mean, but... There, but uh, it's hard, hard for me to actually just separate out just the verses with Prabhupada's purport, you know, because because we we are we are also reading. I mean, we know a lot about some of these other things from the very beginning because somehow they're uh, they're in 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 the, in in the purport. I mean, here. Uh, in the in the first canto. Uh, I say we get we get some of the uh, yeah I mean look in the first canto chapter eight the prayers of Queen Kunti this this is this is pretty like already you know it's not Rasa Lila but but it's it's extremely 
intimate relationship with devotees and, and, and so on. Uh, she, I mean, she says things like, uh, O Krishna, those who continuously hear, chant, and repeat your transcendental activities or take pleasure in others doing so, certainly see your lotus feet, which alone can stop the repetition of birth and death. I mean, anyway, anyway, this is this is like to to me. It's 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 very. Uh, I mean, there's knowledge of the Lord's majesty and all those other kind of things there. But there's such incredible uh, uh, feeling. Uh, Asking to you know sever my ties with my kinsmen, so I'm not on the bodily platform. Like the Ganges is always flowing to the sea. Let my attention be fixed on you. I mean, in a sense, they're uh, they're uh, uh, wonderful prayers, and uh, uh, and. You know the thing. Uh, uh, at least, uh, you, when you go back to them, maybe you read them in the beginning in the first canto. You go through the whole Bhagavatam. You get into what the Bhagavatam is. You go back to them. It's like the the power becomes more and more obvious to us. Also, so uh, there's almost like uh, nothing elementary in here, and. Uh, Anyway, that's just my, my take on it. But so there is a progression, and I I don't know exactly. I mean, that sounds plausible. Uh, uh, of, 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 of. But 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 I I would just say it's it's, it's not just like linear. You know, things uh, circles around, comes back on itself, repeats itself. It's 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 more like a. Uh, anyway, it's 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 complica- a little complicated how it does things. Ratna Bhushana Bhushana Prabhu has he has a question. He says, "In Krishna consciousness, we are introduced to so many divine personalities. Among them, Sri Radha, Sri Krishna, Sri Man Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, the other members of the Panchatattva." Our own spiritual master, our founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada, Sri Rupa Sanatana, Lord Nashimadev, Tulsi Manjari, etc. How do we sustain a meaningful relationship with all these divine personalities with our limited time and capacity for entering into relationships taken into account? Is it even possible to keep all these relationships alive and active at the same time? Or are we meant to follow our bliss, so to speak, to some measure in this regard? Well, I I, th- I think I think in time you'll you'll have to concentrate on on something that's that's particularly special and fruitful for you, but but uh, um, there's nothing but Krishna. You know, you can appreciate everything too. You know, it's it's not that the, the, all these different things are so separate from one another. Uh, uh, 
yeah, we, 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 there's a lot of profusion in Krishna consciousness. It, it's, it's, it doesn't keep things like super simple. Islam in some, some ways, you know, is like there's you, there's the Lord, and there's the Prophet. Boom. You know, <laughs> it's like really, really. And if you require that kind of simplicity, you can do it. You can concentrate uh, on, on simply one thing uh, in Krishna consciousness. And at different times you may find yourself doing that. But we've been presented with with the whole thing. I mean, it's really funny. I mean, in, in some ways, the six Goswamis who wrote all the commentaries on the whole Bhagavatam and and, and uh, stressed its importance. And the Bhagavatam is a world in itself. I mean, a big world. I mean, the, the scope of the Bhagavatam is amazing. For just just the number of characters and events and and the types of people, it's huge. Yet 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 here here were the six Goswamis who relished the Bhagavatam, and yet in many ways they were spending so much time, you know, concentrating on on serving one of the servants of Radharani. Now, how did they pull it off? Well, the only way to do it is. Get there yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they that that was that was that was okay. All right, so we'll pick up again. Let's see, did I mark off where we are? We'll be on text number 25. Uh, we may finish the chapter. There's, uh, I do I do want to get back a little bit and read some of the stuff that's mentioned that, that, we, that, that already happened in the first canto. Because actually it says in the last verse that you should do that. You should look at <laughs> it. It mentions uh, uh, relishing the whole Bhagavatam in a way. Yeah? So, okay. So, uh, next Sunday, meet again. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Srimad Bhagavatam, Ki Jai. <laughs>